We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley's behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. That's how you get aboard on this Tuesday night. As uh, Look, the Eagles are just an unbelievable team that I believe is the best that we've ever seen in Philadelphia. The best Eagles team of all time. Disagree, agree. 215-592-9494. We'll go back to the Eagles calls. I want to get into the Miles Sanders discussion because the better he plays, the more I think we're going too far with the idea he's got to be back here. I mean, I just... I don't agree with that as the Eagles try to build the future of this team and, and continue to win. But we have to, it's nine o'clock. We've got to hit a little hot stove check in. And obviously, the Phillies haven't done much the last week, and I don't expect them to. I mean, they're pretty much done with this, the big lifting this offseason after what they did and all the money they spent. Trey Turner and Taiwan Walker and Matt Strom, Tucker's new favorite guy in the bullpen. But you know what has changed since the last time we talked? And kind of reality set back in. The Mets and Braves are still really good. The Mets keep adding, and the Braves yesterday got a player I think that we may not realize how good he is. So the Mets got Kodai Senga, the Japanese pitcher, and they added him to their rotation, which already they added Jose Quintana, and they have Justin Verlander, and they have Max Scherzer, and they have Carlos Carrasco, and they have McGill. Like They, they have David Peterson. The Mets aren't going to just fall off. Like I was hoping maybe they take a step back this year because they're a little bit of an older team. But they added three really – they lost Jacob DeGrom, right? I mean, there's no other way to say it. They lost maybe the pitch for pitch, the best pitcher in baseball. But they added three free agent pitchers. One of them just won the Cy Young in the American League. And everyone seems to think Senga is going to be a really good pitcher here in the big leagues. And Quintana pitched like a two-something ERA last year down the stretch for the Cardinals. I don't think the Mets are going to just fall off. They're still good. No, I mean, the Phillies had, what, a 13-14 game – space to make up this yep. offseason. They won 87, the other two won 101, and I think the Phillies adding Trey Turner is more impactful than some of those other moves, but the Mets pretty much swapped out Jacob DeGrom for a first ballot Hall of Famer who just won the Cy Young and two pitchers who, quite frankly, are, are better than anything the Phillies have at the bottom of their rotation. Yeah, I mean, look at the Mets. They have two old pitch, old pitchers at the top with Verlander and Scherzer, so that, you know, those guys might get hurt. You have to manage your innings, but they have options. Senga, Quintana, Carrasco, McGill, Peterson. They've got a lot of depth there, so so the Mets have not really fallen off. Now, they did lose Bassett as well. Bassett went to the uh, Blue Jays after he was here last Friday, and he was Instagramming pictures of getting mad that people would speculate he was coming. He went to the Blue Jays, so he's off the table. But the other one that happened yesterday, like all Braves moves, just go under the radar, it'll work. So the Braves traded for Sean Murphy, catcher from the Oakland Athletics. 
He's really good. If you look at Sean Murphy and he played in a, you know, a pitcher's park in Oakland and you look at his numbers, you know, he's got better numbers at the time of this trade in his career than JT Real Muto had when he got here as a hitter. And I think everyone thought like, oh, get Real Muto out of Miami, which is a pitcher's park, put him here more of a hitter's park and he'll he'll be a better hitter. And he's been, right? You look at Real Muto has hit more for the Phillies than he hit for the for the um Marlins. He had a 768 OPS as a Marlin. He has an 811 OPS as a Philly. And we know, obviously, Ramuto is a good defensive player. Sean Murphy is a gold glover who has a 755 OPS, better than Ramuto did for the Marlins, for the A's. And that might be the most difficult park to hit in. Tucker, I think the Braves added an all star catcher. Like they took a guy that's probably going to be an 800 OPS guy with a gold glove at catcher. They just always get better. And he's young too. Like I think we keep forgetting about this Braves team and, and how good they've been. They're also really young. Like Sean Murphy's only twenty eight years old. You look at the the rest of their team and how they have pretty much that entire lineup. Matt Olson's only twenty eight. Ozzy Albies is twenty five. Austin Riley's twenty five. Ronald Acuna's twenty four. Michael Harris is twenty one. This team won one hundred and one games last year, and all their best players are under the age of thirty. Yeah, it's it's and and they almost got nothing last year out of uh, Ronald Acuna, who was who played. Awful in the playoff series against the Phillies. I mean, he was bad. And he really didn't do much last year because he was coming. And their best four pitchers are all under 28, too. Yeah, they are. Uh, look, this division is going to be outstanding to watch. I think there's a real chance, just like last year, all three teams go to the playoffs. But it is amazing. The Phillies spent, what, f- close to $400 million this offseason? 300 plus 72 plus, would your boy get 15, Matt Strom, your guy? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's close to 400. It's a lot of baseball cards. It is. It's close to $400 million out of John Middleton's pocket. And yet, I think there's a real chance they'll open the season as the third favorite in the NL East still. I mean, I don't know if they've closed the gap on, on these two teams. And it's not through their fault. Like, I don't know how much more the Phillies could do to close the gap realistically. Like, what are they, where are they going to go at now? Another reliever? That's not really going to change much in terms of the predictions and the and the – you know, the odds before the season, it just goes to show you how good this division is that on paper they're probably still going to be third. I just think it's funny that, I mean, the Phillies are the greatest beneficiary of the expanded playoffs that they implemented yes. a year ago, and we're talking about this team possibly repeating as, you know, NL champs and trying to go and win those final two games and win the World Series that eluded them. At any point in this offseason, we discussed them winning the NL East? We haven't. Like, it... it, it feels so backwards that they feel closer to repeating as, you know, NL winners and going back and winning a World Series than they do winning their own division. It is crazy. Now, do I think they could jump one of these teams, depending on how well they play next year? They could, right? The Mets are older. Maybe they won't take the regular season as seriously, and and they'll be happy with 90 wins and a wild card spot. And that certainly is possible. But... It is a major climb. Like they just like these teams keep getting better too. This is like an arms race in this division. It's going to be so much fun to watch this division next year. So we'll keep an eye an eye on what they continue to do. It wouldn't shock me if the Braves do more. Um, we'll see if Swanson goes back there. And with that owner with the Mets, I never think they're done. Like they just might carry a four hundred million dollar payroll with Steve Cohen. That that's that's what they do up there with that owner. So the hot stove continues to burn uh, across baseball, but certainly. Within the NL East, a lot of stars between Senga, Scherzer, Sean Murphy, Trey Turner. You know, it's it's been crazy so far in the early part of this offseason. All right, let's. Uh, I want to bring up the Miles Sanders discussion because it needs to be had. Now, I, I think some 
would say the evening show, what, was the hardest on Miles Sanders over the years? Most real about Miles Sanders? What would you classify this show's perspective on Miles Sanders before this year? Oh, I thought we were the most realistic about Miles Sanders. Yeah, I agree. Um, And I will say before we have this discussion, and 215-592-9494 to jump in, as we talk about the um, the future of Miles Sanders here in Philadelphia, a soon-to-be free agent, I am very willing and open to say this is the best I've seen Miles Sanders run. He's playing really well. He hasn't fumbled this year. He has stayed healthy. I think he's run tougher this year through the line of scrimmage and through the tackles than I've ever seen him run. A-OK. Thumbs up. Two thumbs up for me on Miles Sanders. I like the way he's played this year. Yet every time someone brings up the idea of his contract and his future and bringing him back, I just shake my head. Like, unless he's willing to come back here for ve- for very little money to where it's like it doesn't make sense for him and his agent, I-, I have no interest in re-signing Miles Sanders. And it's not because he's not played well. It's it's specifically because Miles Sanders plays the most replaceable position in the league. And we're heading towards an offseason with the Eagles where they very likely will have major financial commitments to make a quarterback, at decisions at corner, at safety, at linebacker, at defensive tackle. And they may also have to, you know, say goodbye to their center. Now they don't have to sign one. They're going to have Cam Jurgens here. But, like, think about all those positions that they're going to have to either pay or decide to pay. There's no way that I'm allocating, like, what are the best backs in the NFL making now? I, I'm not even up on it. Uh, McCaffrey makes sixteen million right now. Not a chance. I mean, not a chance. So even if I'm not, I'm not sure what him and his agent will ask for. But considering his career yards per carry is about five, and he's coming off his best year, he's going to ask for ten million dollars a season. I mean, he's he's going to. And my answer for that would be not a chance. There's there's Tucker. There's zero chance. I don't care if he runs for 100 yards against the Bears and the Cowboys, and he wins a Super Bowl MVP. There is zero chance I would give Miles Sanders a long-term contract at double-digit millions per year. Yeah, and you look at, there's only really like eight running backs right now playing on high-priced veteran contracts. It's Christian McCaffrey, who got paid $16 million a year, and is under contract for three more seasons. That, that's something that I'm sure Carolina wishes they have back. Alvin Kamara signed for $15 million a year. So is Ezekiel Elliott, who looks just like an absolute shell of himself. Then you have Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, or the other guys. I don't like any of those contracts. I really don't. And when we talk about Jalen Hurts, we talk about how there there's no middle class when it comes to quarterbacks now. You can kind of say the same things about running backs. Like after Aaron Jones, the next highest paid running back is Saquon Barkley, who's still on his rookie deal playing through his fifth-year option. I look at what the market is for running backs, and unless he's willing to take a a, a discount and, and stay here and just kind of make five or six million around what Gus Edwards or Cordero Patterson make, I just have no interest. Like I, I think Miles Sanders has been great this year. I know I've been critical of him. He's been fantastic as a runner. Leaves a lot to be desired as a catcher in the past game, but for the most part as a runner, he, he's been fantastic this season. But I also don't think those numbers are irreplaceable. I don't think if Miles Sanders walked in free agency and you signed two guys who were just run-of-the-mill veterans the way they signed um, Garrett Blunt and, and traded for Jay Ajayi in 2017, I don't know if your running game really loses anything, right? Like, he's not your short yardage back. That's Jalen Hurts. 
Well, he's not that. And you know, I think about I think about how much two two parts of this, right? The offensive line, which is excellent, and Jalen Hurts, who helps make the run game go because the threat of him. It reminds me of the Ravens in 2019. Remember all the, the, that great offensive year they had? They they won 14 games. Lamar won the MVP. Who they have? Mark Ingram. They had Gus Edwards. You know, they had a whole cavalcade of guys down there. Well, I like Gus Edwards. Well, I do too. But, like, was it them or was it the offensive line and Lamar and the offense that made that train go? I'm not paying him to, to continue to – two things. Also, you're paying him at peak, right? It's not like – You're the, also paying him at the age of 26. Like, you give him a 40-year deal, he's oh, playing through the age of 30. You're paying him at peak. You're paying him in his older 20s. You're paying him off his healthiest year, which we know he hasn't stayed healthy. So, like, the odds of him replicating this again, the next Smile Sanders contract will be a bad one. And, and look, I, I wish the best for the guy. He's been a good eagle so far, and, and he will continue to be over the course of the next, what, seven games, hopefully into a Super Bowl. But you know where I'm, you know where he should go? He should go to a team with a bunch of cap room that's willing to offer him a lot of money. Like, if I'm, if I'm advising him, I say, go, t- go take the money. Like, go ahead. Like, I don't know who it is. Whoever has the most cap room. The Bears have a lot of cap room. Nothing they need him. But whatever. There's probably three or four teams that have sitting on $100 million of cap room this offseason. One of them wants to pay you $14 million a year or 13. You go run and take it. Just get your money because you never know when your career is going to end. But, like, if it comes down to Miles Sanders or Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, I will take Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. If it comes down to Miles Sanders or James Bradbury, I'll take James Bradbury. If it comes down to Miles Sanders or re-signing Javon Hargrave, I'll re-sign Javon Hargrave. There's just – it doesn't make any sense, and I feel like because of how well he's played, and he has played well. There's going to be a drumbeat of fans who say he's a big part of this, and I say you could find another running back that could be just as big a part of it. I'm not saying it has to be the fifth pick in the draft like Todd McShay, but they can replicate this with somebody else next year, and I don't think they'd lose that much. Yeah, and I also look at his best games this year. Like He had 17 for 144 and two touchdowns against the Giants. Did they win the game because he had 144 yards? They win the game because the defense absolutely – Stop them at every turn, and Jalen Hurts played like an MVP. If you go and look at the the Green Bay game, they ran for 350 yards. He had 143 of them, but did they win because he had 143 rushing yards? Because the offensive line was blowing that Packers defense off the ball and opening up holes that a semi-truck could fit through. He had 27 for 134 against Jacksonville and two touchdowns. Like He's been better, but I just don't think he's irreplaceable. And in a year where you're going to have some money crunch, I just don't see paying a running back. I don't either. So if you go on uh, Spot Track, they they have a thing where you you click it and, and they give you his calculated market value. I'm not sure how they come up with this. Um, uh, so they they said we've selected co- players based on their age, contract status, statistical profile to compare Miles Sanders to. So so they're they are looking at 7.2 average um, per million per year, average annual salary. And they they put him at a contract of three years, twenty two million dollars, which is pretty much the contract Leonard Fournette signed with Tampa Bay. Yeah, that's one they they gave as his number one comp. Uh, Fournette, Mixon, Gus Edwards, Rashad Penny were the different comps they used. Again, age, contract status, statistical production compared to him. Here's my thing. Were any of the or any of these running backs that we're talking about that are similar? Were, were did they have a quarterback they were playing next to that was getting forty five million dollars per season at the time they signed it? I think the answer would be no, right? Like we're talking about Leonard Fournette, right? He went and played with Brady in Tampa, 
Brady did never never took that kind of money. Joe Mixon, when he signed his deal, Joe Burrow was either just drafted or not even drafted yet, so the quarterback wasn't making any money. Gus Edwards down in Baltimore, they gave him his contract. Lamar still hasn't been paid yet. If they plan to pay Jalen Hurts, which I have to imagine they do, right? You know that's what this offseason is going to be about: giving Jalen Hurts his contract. You don't pay a running back seven, eight, nine, ten million dollars per season when you're paying a quarterback forty-five. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't work. And if you do it, you will regret it or have deficiencies in other areas of your team. I'm trying to think: are there any teams that are paying their quarterback and a running back? I guess the Cowboys, but it, like. That's not usually the kind of team you want to model your spending after, what Jerry Jones does. Now, he, he drafts good players, but I, I, is any other team paying their quarterback and paying a back? No, not really, right? I mean, you look at the guys with high-priced contracts right now. It's Christian McCaffrey in San Francisco, who they're paying Jimmy Garoppolo, but but not much. No, Alvin Kamara in New Orleans, they're paying Andy Dalton backup quarterback money. Right. Ezekiel Elliott, we, we talked about. Dalvin Cook, I guess they're paying... Kirk Cousins down there, but he has those weird. Remember, he gets fully guaranteed money, right? And, and not you know forty five million dollar cap numbers. Derrick Henry, they are paying uh, Ryan Tannehill down there. Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow is on a rookie contract, and Aaron Jones. Would they rather have Aaron Jones at twelve million dollars a year? Do you think they wish they kind of had extra money to pay Devontae Adams? Yeah, I think that and you can say the same thing about Dallas. You think they'd rather have Ezekiel Elliott, or would they rather have Amari Cooper? Right well, I'll, yeah, well, I'll throw this in. So the Eagles have already paid a wide receiver, right? They're paying $25 million a year for A.J. Brown. They're going to pay their quarterback. That's four, Let's say that's 45. 45 plus 25 is what, 70? So between Hurts and Brown next year, we could be looking at around, on average, $70 million per season. How many teams are paying a wide receiver, a running back, and a quarterback? There is your answer is probably zero. You know, the Vikings haven't paid Jefferson yet. They're going to have to. And guess what? You know who's going to be out of a job when they pay Justin Jefferson? Dalvin Cook. The Packers couldn't do it. Is it the, 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 you know, it's time to pay Devontae Adams, and they didn't end up doing that. They have cheap receivers. Yeah, the, the, go to the Titans, right? They, they have a quarterback that's making a little bit, not a ton. A running back's making a ton, and they couldn't pay the wide receiver. There's, just, there's only so many positions you could pay at a super level. And I'd imagine the, the amount of teams in the NFL that are paying their quarterback top dollar, paying a running back top dollar, and paying a quarter uh, a wide receiver top dollar, the answer's got to be none. I mean, it's just you have no money left for offensive line, for defensive line, for defensive backs. I mean, I, I hope everyone who likes Miles Sanders, and, and that's fine, and, and you should have your, your victory lap. Like, if you believed in Miles and thought he could have a year like this, he's having it, right? This is his career year. But, I mean, just trust the evening show on this. Miles Sanders is having his best time as an Eagle. It will end on Super Bowl Sunday. Does it just kind of feel like a waste? Like, he finally figured it out in year four? It does. Like, he was really good as a rookie, and we thought we'd get this guy for four years. And if he had played at this level for four years, without question, I would consider signing him. But the fact that he toiled for two years as a mediocre running back and then finally exploded in a year where he he needed to play in order to get paid in the offseason— just not interested. Yeah, I just feel like we've seen this story before. Uh, was this kind of the DeMarco Murray story uh, in Dallas in 2014? or yeah, 14. 14. Uh, and maybe he's not been quite as great. I, mean, Mur- I think Murray won the Offensive Player of the Year. But it's it's kind of like that, um, where it's it's a big contract drive for a guy that had talent but never truly all put it together, and then he got to free agency. Guess what DeMarco Murray became? A bad contract. Like, in 10 minutes of signing it, it was a bad contract. That's going to be Miles. Good player. Running behind a great offensive line and a quarterback that helps him get open lanes. 
having his best season. He's curtailed the fumbling. He stayed healthy. All those good things. Oh, Miles Sanders is a great finish to this season. He might have he might have two touchdowns in the Super Bowl and with a Super Bowl MVP for all I know. It, it, it doesn't move me. There's almost nothing he could do that makes me think differently on this. You know what's interesting as we talk about these contracts and running backs? All of the big contracts were signed by guys to the teams they were drafted with. Mm. Right? Like, big running backs don't get money on the free agent market, right? Like McCaffrey, Kamara, Elliott Cook, Henry Chubb, Mixon Jones. Was the last one DeMarco? All of them are still with the team they were drafted. Like, I just wonder... Is there a world where he does go and test the free agent waters and basically he's told to kick rocks. He's told to go home because they don't have $12 million to give a free agent running back and he ends up here playing for $5.5 million, $6 million. It, well, that that I wouldn't rule that out, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be I wouldn't kick and scream, right? If he ends up in that Gus Edwards range of whatever, $5 million per year, I wouldn't cook, kick and scream at that. I'd also draft a running back in this particular draft to to eventually replace him. So I'm looking right now at teams with the most cap room in the offseason, trying to find, like, who's the team that's going to overpay him. I mean, the Bears have young running back and a quarterback they could run. Falcons seem like they can make anyone a good running back with um, Arthur Smith. The Giants have to make the decision on Saquon. I mean, I imagine it's either him or they're not going to pay one. Patriots seem to find running backs. Seahawks have a young running back. Maybe you're right. Maybe there isn't that team out there for him. I mean, you go down, uh, you know what? He may not find the team. Who who feels like a Miles Sanders team? In the, uh, the Cardinals do to me. You know the Saints have negative $60 million in space for next season? That seems bad. Seems like they're cooked. Yeah, they have $30 million to Michael Thomas, $30 million to Cam Jordan, 25 to Marshawn Lattimore, 22 to Ryan Ramchick. 20 to Andrews Pete, 16 to Alvin Kamara, and 15 to Jameis Williams, Jameis Winston. What pick do the Eagles have from the Saints in 2024, the second-round pick? Yes. So you're saying that's going to be like the first pick of the second round? It could be. Yeah, like, I mean, I just they're going to have to do a lot of a lot of wizardry on this this guy. Like, they can't cut Marshawn Lattimore. They own $43 million in dead cap if they do. Isn't there a world? Like, they're not. how are they going to get a quarterback this year? Right, they're kind of stuck. They don't have their first, they don't have their first round pick. It, right? Is there a world where they're the worst team in the league next year? I think it's very possible. I think right, because even if they do figure their way out of this cap hell, is Andy Dalton still calling plays for you next year? Because if so, that's an issue. Yeah, their coach is Dennis Allen. Yeah, there, there's a world where the Saints end up as the worst team next year. So imagine if the Eagles trade out from what was it, 18? Was that the 18th pick? One of those it was one of their three first round picks. 18 to get the fifth pick in one draft. The 33rd pick in the next draft. And what else did they get? The third round pick that they use in the Brown deal? Yeah, I believe so. Wow. How we could have maybe, and we're projecting a lot, but could have swapped 18 in one season for 5, 33, or whatever, a top 40 pick and a third round pick. It's a remarkable trade. 215 592 9494. This Eagles team is the best Eagles team I've ever seen. Agree or disagree with that statement? The Miles Sanders discussion. He could play great. I'm not interested in giving big running back money in the offseason. And when we get back, we will react to a big and important Sixers win tonight. That's all coming up next on Sports Radio 94 WIP. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Ah, we haven't heard this song often here on the evening show. Welcome back. Joe Chilio with you. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Yep, clap your hands. Which, of course, is the name of a new podcast. Elliot Shore Parks and uh, Kyle Newbeck, clap your hands. And they'll have something good to talk about tonight. Sixers 123, Sacramento 103 tonight. A beatdown for the Sixers, who continue to play some better basketball. So they, you know, they obviously went on Sunday uh, with the big Embiid game. There have been a lot of big Embiid games. We'll talk about that. Uh, they, they did survive. Would you call it a survive Friday night? I, I would say that. After that collapse in the last few minutes, they got to overtime. They won there. So the Sixers now are up to 15-12 and 12 on the season as this homestay continues with victories. Tonight wasn't even close. They have 80 points the first half of this game. 80? 39 the first quarter? 41 in the second quarter? I'm, I'm not a, um, a brilliant mathematician, but I believe that's 80 points in the first half of this game. And the game was basically over at halftime here. And the six hold on 123-103 tonight. I mean, how do we not leave with Joel Embiid again? And now I thought Harden played well tonight. Probably his best game since he came back. But Joel Shot four or seven from three. Yeah, which is, I mean, how many four or more three-point games has James Harden had the last couple of years? It's got to be a small amount. Um, but Joel Embiid tonight, 31 points. Here's how amazing Embiid has been scoring-wise over the past 10 or so games. I think he came in tonight averaging 37 36 or 37 points per game over the last 10. He was five under that tonight and still scored 31 points. 31 points on 10 to 16 shooting. This is a really ridiculous run of scoring by Joel Embiid. I think it, it dates back to pre-injury. So it's like 11 games here. He's averaging about 35 points a game. Yeah, I mean, this is the best I've seen him shoot the basketball. Because we, we talk about his ability, and you mentioned in the pregame, he goes on runs like this throughout the regular season where he can put up points in bunches. But in years prior, it's been due to free throws. And he's had a couple big free throws games. He had 24 in his 59-point game against Utah, and he had 20 in a 32-point game against Minnesota prior to the injury. But I just think he's shooting the ball so much better than he ever has in his career. I mean, he had 20 made field goals against Charlotte the other night. That's the most he's ever had in his career, and he'll get it again tonight. He had 10 made shots tonight for, for 31 points. And he also had 11 to 13 from the line. But usually when he's putting up these points, he's shooting, I don't know, 46, 47% from the field. Right. And making a dozen free throws. He's shooting like 54% from the field over this stretch. Well, if you combine that kind of field goal percentage with we know he's you know one of the best 
big men free throw shooters ever. He was 11 to 13 from the free throw line tonight. He's going to rack up points by accident. I mean, he's just he's going to end. This will be his if he stays healthy, which is always the if with Joel, and he continues to play at this level. I mean, we're looking at his best scoring season ever. I mean, what's his highest ever? Last year, I guess it was was his career high uh, in terms of the upper 20s. I don't think he's ever broke. Is he ever broke 30 per? In a free season? throw attempts? No, no, no. Thir- points per game. What's his highest? He had 30.1 last year. Okay, so 30.6. So last year was it. I mean, we're trending towards it being this would be better. I mean, he could average. He's averaging 33.4 right now. Yeah, I mean, let's say that comes down a little bit, but we, we could be talking about Joel Embiid having a career high in points per game this season. And, you know, it's it's really on the back of, you know, you know he's he had the big game earlier this season uh, where he touched 60, right? He had the, the game a couple nights ago in the 50s. He's had a couple of ridiculous games. But the reason the scoring average is so high is, you know what we're not getting? We're not getting many of the random 19s. Uh, what was it, two or three years ago now? Remember the zero-point game against the Raptors? Like, we're not getting – now, that's rare for him. But we're not getting any of that. It's it's 34, 37, 53, 29, 51. Like, that's, that's, that's how you average 33 points a game. You scored under 25 twice this year. Yeah, that's – well, that's it, right? You could – Every great scorer is going to sprinkle their 40s, a, a 50 on the rare occasion. But when you, when you do not have the less than 25s, it averages out to well over 30 points per game. So that's great to see, and hopefully he continues it. The other good thing to see tonight, well, first of all, how do we not mention Matisse Thibel actually scored points tonight? I mean, did I admit, like, what happened? He made a shot, finally. He, was four, he made three three-pointers tonight, Matisse Thibel. You think he's better as a starter? Can't come off the bench. I don't know what it is. Can we get this again? I mean, this you might is, be asking a lot. Well, I, yeah, I mean that's it's got to be his best offensive game in forever. So, 15 points tonight for Matisse Thibel. I thought it was a good Harden game as well. James Harden tonight, 21 points. He led everybody in plus minus. Harden was a plus 24 tonight. Um, 21 points, 15 assists for James Harden. I think this is the best he's played since he's come back. He looked uh, the most spry he's been. And really, it came off a good game. Hornets, he had 19-16-9. So, it's, it's coming up. Uh, he's got back-to-back games with 15 assists, which is pretty good. I mean, he joined Maurice Cheeks as the only sixer in history with back-to-back 15-assist games. It's pretty good. Hard, best that we've seen Harden um, since before the injury. Yeah, I mean, if you want to kind of paint a picture of what this team can be at their peak... It's this, right? It's Joel Embiid being an efficient scorer, putting up good numbers and only turning the ball over three times, and James Harden just being a knockdown three-point shooter in an assist machine, right? If you add in Tyrese Maxey to that group and what Tobias Harris did tonight with 21 points of his own, this is what we expected this team to be or thought they could be. They just have to start executing it on a nightly basis. Yeah, and, and here's the deal with, with, um, with James Harden. Here's two things that we know he still does really well. He's hitting 91% of his free throws, outstanding, and he's second in the NBA in assists per game, right? He, those things he could he could roll out of bed. He'll get assists and he'll he'll make his free throws. Can he hit close to upper 30% of his threes? Because if he hits upper 30% of his threes, hit 91% from the free throw line, and has over 10 assists a game, he's valuable. He's he's still really good. Is he great? No, those days are past him. But I'm not going to – if he could do that. Now, on the season, I'm not sure if this is updated. I have his stats in front of me, 34.5 from three. I'm not sure if that was heading into tonight or if tonight's incorporated in that. 
But that's okay, right? That's that's. I wonder what league average is for three this year. Is it thirty six? Is it thirty five and a half? Whatever it is. But he that he came in thirty four and a half this year uh, from three point range, which you want that to be better. Now tonight he shot the lights out. Four three pointers made for James Harden tonight. That's pretty darn rare for him. He doesn't have many of those games anymore. But tonight's a good game. I mean, even your guy Tobias Harris dropped twenty one points. Again, you know, we we give Tobias credit when when it's deserved. Nine to seventeen shooting. And how about that? Six points for P.J. Tucker. Man, everyone was scoring tonight. Did, this, did the Kings just leave their defense on the bus? I mean, they're, I think it's their third or fourth game wow. in the middle of a six-game road trip, so I could see them not really having their legs under them. That'll be Schedule it. a loss, perhaps, as Doc Rivers would say. Do we think Mike Brown uses the line tonight, or is that a Doc-only line? I mean, he could. I don't think anyone in Sacramento would notice. Well, that's probably true. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. Good win for the Sixers. Their next game Friday night at home against the Warriors. Man, how long is this homestand? Friday, Monday, next week. Don't they have to get them all in before uh, Christmas? They're home until Christmas. They have four more. This is what? Is this the third straight home game, or is it four? This was a, it. Was the Hornets, Kings, Lakers? Was the Lakers? I guess the Lakers was the first game of this homestand. This is the third. It was Lakers, Hornets, Kings. So it'll be a seven-game homestand. Warriors, Raptors, Pistons, Clippers. They should do well. I mean, they're already 3-0 and in this homestand. They likely will be favored in every game the rest of the way of this homestand. Warriors who have been... You know the Warriors this season are 2-11 and on the road? They're in Milwaukee as we speak. Raptors will be favored against. Pistons favored against. They could be favored in every game of this homestand. This, this could be like a season turnaround homestand for them. And then they had the Clippers at home after that. Who are, you know, and the Clippers, you know, they, they decide every other week if they're going to play or they're going to just rest all their guys. So this this should be a good homestand for the Sixers. Well, let's go back to the phone lines here, talk some Eagles with Tom, who's up on WIP. Hey, Tom. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good, Tom. What's up tonight? Oh, nothing, man. Um, I appreciate your Sixers talk. I just, man, I listen to all this trash talk about the Eagles and the national stage, and they're not a. Uh, you know, not getting any love, but guys, I'm just fired up. I, I'm tired of it. I say, let's go, birds. Well, Tom, I'm with you, man. And you know, they could put an end to all this when they get to Dallas on Christmas Eve because if they Absolutely, if they stop brother. them, then no one's going to be able to say the Cowboys are better. Nobody. Dude, I, I I just don't even see. I don't even see Dallas being able to hang with us. We are on a whole nother level. I just I don't even see it happening. I'm so fired up for this team. Well, you should be. I mean, Tom, this team is playing week to week as great as any any Eagles team ever has. Like, this doesn't happen every day. Twelve and one, and the one lo- and the one loss they had, they turned the ball over four times. If they just hold the ball onto the ball, they win that game too. Well, and and listen, I I don't want to blame the game on the rest, but there was a ton of bad calls in that game. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, yeah, we we want our team to to not have excuses and stuff, but there was a ton of bad. We we are one bad officiated game away from being undefeated. And I just, I love this team. I love Jalen Hurts. I love the leadership he's showing. And, and I'm tired of being afraid of the Cowboys and all this nonsense. Let's go, Birds! E-I-G-L-E-S, Eagles! Let's go, boys! You got it, Tom. We appreciate it. Tom's fired up. He's tired of all this Cowboy talk. Speaking of the Cowboys, and uh, something tells me what we're about to play for you, I feel like you'll hear this or see this on WIP a lot the next couple weeks. And I feel like, aren't we just prime for uh, Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp and Stephen A. Smith? I mean, this this audio we're going to play for you now will be everywhere over the next day or so, but certainly leading up to Christmas Eve. So what you're going to hear now is Micah Parsons 
on with Von Miller on what's he what's he called the Von Cast or something? Yes. I actually I, I kind of knew what it was, but I just put it together quickly in my head. The Von Cast, Von Miller. So man, Von's keep busy out for the season tour in ACL. I'll bring Micah Parsons on my podcast. And now he gets to podcast. Yeah, he's his podcaster. Um, Von Miller and his podcast with special guest Micah Parsons, and I didn't think this was over the top, like ripping him, but it's also. A cowboy saying that the front runner for the MVP is an eagle. Eh, maybe he's not really the MVP. Here's Von Miller with Micah Parsons. Is it Hurts or the team? <sighs> I think it's a little bit of both, man. I think it's, <laughs> it's, I think it's, little, it's, it's system and team. I think it's a little bit of both, man, because they got a great deep, they got a great offensive line, which helps Hurts. Hurts has AJ Brown and Devonta Smith. They got a good running game. I mean, Miles um, Sanders. They scheme that they they scheme that they have. O line. Yeah. I mean, bro, bro like, it, like, <laughs> and this Eagles Cowboys, the Eagles Cowboys coming up, ain't it? Yeah, it's coming up. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to make no enemies. I, I just like, I just love the game so much, and I understand it so much that like. I can't. I, I like. I like when things are off. I, I just can't like hold it in. Like I almost gotta say something. Like you know, you're right. They got. They got a great team. Great defense. But everyone, everyone has their own opinions. Like, but they got. So Jalen Hurts is. MVP. He's good. He's he, good. They got him for the MVP race with Patrick Mahomes. His stats and what he's been doing, what numbers that he's putting up, is MVP worthy. Just like what Patrick Mahomes doing. So a couple things there. You can't see the end. Obviously, we're here playing the audio. If you watch the video at the end. You could see how dismissive he is that Hurts is being named as the MVP frontrunner over Mahomes or with Mahomes. Like the the what I took for the video is, and he didn't come out and say Hurts stinks, right? He he didn't go over the top or say Hurts is bad quarterback or anything. But what I took was he doesn't believe Hurts is that good. He doesn't believe Hurts is great. He doesn't believe Jalen Hurts is the MVP of the league. Like that I took from that is it's the team, it's the team around him, not Jalen Hurts. How many times do you think Micah Parsons will be asked about this, this clip over the next 10 days, specifically next week? I mean, it's going to be every day. I mean, it will, it will be every day, and then it will be the number one story after the game, especially if the Eagles win. And also, like, I understand his point. This is a really good team. I don't think anyone with a straight face is saying Jalen Hurts is dragging a bad roster. And this is a really good team, and he's got really good weapons and a good offensive line. But didn't these teams play in October here, and Micah Parsons couldn't stop the Eagles' offense? Yeah, and the only time he played Patrick Mahomes, he had two sacks, and they lost, but it was nineteen to nine. Hmm. It, it it's. I don't think he's crazy for what he's saying, like that Hurts. And has, I think the way he feels, a lot of people feel. Yeah, no, I'm I, I a bit okay. And honest, like, if you were being honest, if you had to start an NFL franchise tomorrow, would you pick Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts? I, I, Mahomes has done this for longer and at a higher level, so I'd pick Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I, he's just he's been the best quarterback in the league since the minute he walked in. Now, is Hurts outperforming him by a little bit this right now this year? Yeah, he is. That's why he's probably going to win the MVP of the league. But yeah, I mean, even the other day I said, you know, just the 2020 draft class, I still would rank Burrow over Hurts. It's not, I don't think it's a slice for Jalen Hurts. I mean, Joe Burrow has been to the Super Bowl. He went to he went to Arrowhead last year and won a road game against Patrick Mahomes. Like Jalen Hurts has to check some boxes here and continue to play at a super level for a while before we say, you know what, he's right there at, with Mahomes. You know, big picture, he's right there with Burrow. Big picture. I don't think he's done that yet. 
But in terms of the MVP this year, yeah, he's the MVP of the league. But, I mean, it's also just eye-opening that, that Micah Parsons chose to say this before they play each other next week. Like, he could believe it. Did he have to go out and say it? Do you think anyone will ask Jalen Hurts to comment on it next week? Yes. And do you think he will? Well, here's what I'm kind of hoping for. No, he won't. But you know how he, he likes to use the word like he doesn't pay attention to the opinions of sheep? Will he use that line? Which means Micah Parsons, who's probably the runaway defensive player of the year, he's not just some guy. That means Micah Parsons is sheep if he uses that line uh, to describe it. I, I, I love that this is, uh, is out there now. I don't think Parsons is crazy. It is the team and Hurts. But I also think you don't usually see this when it comes to rivals. Him saying, ah, not really. And I, I, you got to go see, check out the video. Didn't it seem like at the end he wanted to say more and he just stopped? It looked like he was in agony. Yeah, like, really? Like, he's re- you really think he's the MVP? This, it's, it is an awesome subplot for, for Christmas Eve. Let's talk to David and Sewell. What's up, David? Hey guys, good uh, good show. Um, I did want to also make a comment since I was since I first was going to call about Miles Sanders. But the main thing I called about was I heard Dan Orlovsky, if not live, I DVR a lot of programs during the day, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I heard it. But I've heard when he made the comment. Then I also saw a stat. I'm not sure if it was on ESPN or the NFL Network. That and this shocked and this surprised me. Okay. It said that the that Jalen Hurts' seventy four percent completion rate from in the pocket was the highest since guess who? Drew Brees. Yes. Wow. Now I thought that was, I, I thought there were other quarterbacks who did seventy five percent, but I guess when you go in the pocket mm-hmm. and I'm guessing they compared it to Drew Brees full seasons and obviously this is not a full season yet for Hurts, but his, it was the highest since Drew Brees. David, it's amazing. Like, you know, we're talking, I mean, when you, when you say Drew Brees' name, the first thing you think about is accuracy. Maybe, you know, he didn't have a big arm, but he was probably the most accurate quarterback ever. And, and David, we're talking about Jalen Hurts, who two years ago, as a rookie, he completed 52% of his passes. And now, now he's in the same category as, as you know, Drew Brees. It's nuts. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can't um, fathom, okay? The amount of discipline, not just effort, but discipline it takes to make the to make the adjust, to make the growth he did. I mean, he didn't just work hard. He had to. I mean, a lot of guys work hard to get better and just don't get better, or they get better but they don't get like this much better. I mean, it's it's almost like he was able to recreate himself as a passer. And, 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 and start from scratch and say, I'm going to do everything the right way in terms of uh, footwork and all that. And I did, and I remember hearing, uh, I remember hearing Judge, uh, recently uh, Ron Jaworski say he never bought into the narrative of, the, uh, of, the, of, the, of him having, not having the arm for the deeper passes. He says those passes, and, you know, uh, he looks at every single pass of a quarterback and judges them with their footwork and all that. He said it was a foot. It really was technique and footwork issues when it came to uh, to you know that kind of thing for the, for the Bucks. Because look at look at all the he leads the league with eleven passes of twenty five yards or more. I it's know amazing. it's the most uh, David we, an Eagle quarterback has had since Randall had twelve and eighty seven. Like we're, we're we're getting to that territory where he's breaking all these records. And David, you're right, and I appreciate the call. Now on that point that Jaws made that David um, told us there. 
I always believed that. I thought the arm stretch stuff was overrated. I mean, I thought his issues last year were timing and obviously the footwork stuff, but I I just think it's the most overrated thing. Like, you throw the ball through a wall. Like, nobody cares. Like, that's not how you win in the NFL. Ryan Leaf could throw the ball through glass. It didn't, it didn't make him a good player. I never thought he didn't have enough arm. He just was late, or when he wasn't late, his, his, he didn't have good enough mechanics. And when Tucker and I were talking about before the show, it's amazing now. Like, that pass to Devontae Smith, um, the one where the safety tried to come over and Devontae grabbed and ran for the touchdown. Like, you watch that, you watch the highlight, it's like his rhythm on the drop back. It's like he takes the snap, he goes, you know, whatever the, whatever the drop back is, five steps, seven, three, you know, whatever it is on each particular one. When his back foot hits the ground, the ball is out. Like, it's like that's what they're, that's what obviously they've tried to teach him, but he doesn't. Back foot out. Over is it kind of weird? Like, I almost never worry when he, Throws the ball deep. I never worry when he hits the top of his drop back. Like with previous quarterbacks, and even him last year, there are times where you cringe when you watch a quarterback running around. Oh no, what are you doing? I mean, he had a, a throw. I think it was in the middle of the second quarter. He rolled all the way to the right, threw across his body to midfield, which is the first thing they teach you in a quarterback is not to do that. And it was dropped by A.J. Brown, but at no point I think, man, that was a bad decision. I mean, his ability to consistently make good decisions and protect the football, I think it's just as impressive as anything he does athletically. It's been two months since I thought he was fooled and threw the ball into coverage. I mean, it's been two months, right? It was the, remember Arizona, he had one that was dropped. He threw one kind of into coverage, and then the, the obviously the pick six against the Jaguars. It's been two months of, of, the, of NFL football since I thought this quarterback threw the ball and he was fooled, or he threw the ball in a bad spot. Like, obviously there's some, like the A.J. Brown one that popped out of his hands, like, that's going to happen. Kenny Gay while the ball pop off his hands. But I mean, like, a bad throw, a bad decision. He just doesn't make them. Um, it's, How much do you credit the coaching staff for that? Uh, I think they deserve a lot, right? They're, they're obviously He obviously feels like he has the answers to the test. Like, I just think it's like we never talk about Shane Steichen at all. You know who will? NFL teams when they're looking for a head coach this offseason. I mean, he's developed J- Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts. If I'm, looking, if I'm an NFL owner this offseason— and I'm looking for a head coach, and I want to go offense. Is it Shane Steichen near the top of the list? Especially if I don't, I don't have a quarterback, and I might take one that is a project, or is you know, I don't have the top pick, and I'm not getting Bryce Young or whoever's going to go one. Right? Like I have, I have to take someone who's not really ready to be great, but I hope I can make him great. Shane Steichen might be the number one option this offseason. Wouldn't it be interesting if he got the Houston Texans job after Gannon interviewed for it last year. And he steals it from him. Some infighting. Within the uh, the coaching staff, that'd be wild. All right, fun show tonight. Um, I'll be on the afternoon tomorrow, so back to Thursday night with everyone here. Uh, is it a Jody Mac night? Ah, oh, it's a Tuesday night. Hang with Jody Mac. I'll be listening on my way home. You be listening. We'll talk soon on Sports Radio ninety four WIP. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest five G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.